Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Elliot. Good. Obviously, we were both at the partnership forum last week. Tremendous success, if I do say so, based on the input from the steering committee and the attendees. was really happy, not just how it turned out, but the support that we all received from our law enforcement partners. I think that was key to making the event not just simply successful, but hopefully something that continues for many years to come. Yes, got a lot of great feedback, good attendance and focus, and as you already pointed out, really great commitment from the law enforcement partners, which is critical given the format and the concept behind the forum. Heard a lot of interesting presentations and discussions, some things that um, I'm still pondering. We're, we're recording this early in the week than normal because I'm also attending West Coast AML Forum uh, in San Francisco this week. And that was the model which uh, we patterned our forum after checking with the coast folks from West Coast to make sure they were okay with that. And they certainly not only were they okay with it, they were one of our sponsors, which was which was great. So they also are going to have law enforcement participants. In, in fact, uh, Guy Fico from IRSCI is their um, the keynoter there, and there'll be uh, case studies and other things very similar to what we were able to do. So definitely, it's a clear signal that we know, but maybe not everybody in our community knows, that it's so important to have partnership to try to learn together. And both of these events certainly tackle that, and I think do it very well. This is the 30th anniversary of West Coast AML, so hats off to them. And hopefully we can have a long run Uh, on the East Coast as well. Yes, that would be great. So we've had two good years, and I know there's a lot of energy to putting together a third year, so uh, we'll start working on that shortly. So, John, last week, the Treasury Department announced its 2023 de-risking strategy. I'm assuming you saw the report and the executive summary, and they've also published a fact sheet. Did you have a chance to take a look at that? I did, and it's also driven by AMLA. It was obviously a a mandate from AMLA that this be crafted and and released. And I want to say that from where I sit and from working with, using the word partners again, in the humanitarian world and others that struggle with financial access, I was disappointed in the report because, as others have said, this is a report that was really asked to address this issue in a transparent fashion. What are all the rationales and factors that go into it? And then what are some recommendations and strategies to improve it? Some of that was covered, and we'll talk a bit about this. I was uh, uh, disappointed in a few things, but I'll just start off with this one area that we can build our conversation off of that. And that is that the main theme is the description or the definition of de-risking that Treasury focused on. And it was, referencing the executive summary here, the practice of institutions terminating or restricting business relationships indiscriminately with broad categories of clients rather than analyzing and managing the risk of clients in a targeted manner. So that already put you on a defensive if you're in the financial sector. I don't agree that's the issue, uh, that it's indiscriminate at all. I think there is a whole host of factors that go into making risk decisions. And I know we're going to talk about that. So that was one. And then the other thing that really, I think, 
got many people that came to the conference, uh, the forum last week, who talked about this, very upset was the key finding that you'll see in the fact sheet the Treasury released that, quoting here, profitability is the primary factor in financial institutions de-risking decisions. They do say profitability is influenced by a range of factors, but profitability, really, folks, that's what we're doing? I disagree with that wholeheartedly, and I think it's unfortunate. Of course, my definition of profitability may be different than others, but those were the few things that jumped out at me, and I thought they missed a, a key opportunity here. Agreed. And I think the two factors that you mentioned left me feeling, when I read the report, that this was pretty much how de-risking was looked at 15 years ago, right? and that there wasn't a lot that was brought forward or brought out in this new report, it, it felt to me like there was a lot of prior work and not a lot of new work. And even in some of the recommendations, I scratched my head because it was, aren't we already doing that? Or isn't this already in flight? A couple of examples, consider proposed regulations that require financial institutions to have reasonably designed and risk-based AML CFT programs supervised on a risk basis, possibly taking into consideration the effects of financial inclusion. Okay, I guess I can't think of, I can't point to a specific regulation that has financial inclusion built into it in this space, but I think many people in the community are already running their programs on a risk-based basis and are also making their customer decisions on a risk basis. So that struck me as a little hollow. And the other one that really caught my eye was bolster international engagement to strengthen the AML CFT regimes of foreign jurisdictions. And I'm thinking, it seems to me the FATF is putting out a lot of great material. They have a process where essentially there are shared examinations. They're not regulatory in the sense that they're not by an organization's given regulator, but it is by the other countries. And they test against what have become international standards generated through the FATF process. So it's like, I'm sure they had something else in mind, but it just seemed to leave open the question, is this really the best current work that Treasury could have put out? Yeah, and cl clearly it's not, as we, the financial sector and the humanitarian world through the Charity and Security Network, uh, released a study back in a report back in June of 2019 that is not noted anywhere in this uh, report, number one. Number two, in that report, we crafted under the auspices of uh, ACAMS, the World Bank, regulators. We had a really broad group of people that worked on it. It was basically designed to have humanitarian groups better explain their due diligence processes for the financial sector and for the financial sector to explain in, in a more clear way what their obligations and expectations were. And so that was a more than the starting point. It has some really solid recommendations, including perhaps the government creating a registry, which is nowhere mentioned in this report. Could be tough, but still they don't even address it. And I just think that not recognizing that there's been these efforts in the past is a real miss here. They do reference something that I was very tangentially involved and in, won't take no credit for. It was a decent report from CSIS that looked at these things and came up with additional recommendations. But if you're going to do a report like this, 
you, you need to, uh, in this case, boil the ocean. What else is out there? And I thought that they missed that. They talk about encouraging ongoing engagement, private public with MSBs, MPOs, banks and regulators. Great. Give us some uh, ways in which that can occur. Didn't do that. It says reduce burdensome requirements for processing humanitarian assistance transactions. Okay, sounds great. What are we talking about? Doesn't mention that either. I, I think, and just going back to the whole ability, I think is really unfortunate. They do talk about this, and it's not all on the regulators, but they do. One of the recommendations I do support is consistent supervisory expectations, including training the federal examiners that consider the effects of de-risking. I agree with that. I will also say, though, we need to give our regulators credit for some of the statements and guidance documents that they've been issuing because they've been doing quite a bit, but it really hasn't solved the problem. And I'll, I'll end with this comment. I received an email from a, a peer of ours that uh, we both worked with who was in the federal government and is now in the private sector advising firms. And I can't say any better than this person said to me in the email. He said, regardless of how reasonable sounding policymakers may seem, in far too many cases, it simply does not always translate to the field. The practical reality is that policy issuances and public statements from on high do not really matter. Regardless of what the policymakers say or what the law actually requires, the BSA is what your examiner says it is, plain and simple. I, I couldn't have said it any better. And it's not just because of examiner criticism. It is because you have to justify a higher risk entity that you're going to mitigate and what that means and how you're going to do it. And you may decide it's not worth it financially, but that's a resource issue. It's not a pure profitability issue. I think these are some of the areas that the treasury totally swung and missed on, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't usually say this about the work coming out of treasury because I actually think most of it's pretty good, but this really felt like a, oh, we've got a requirement to, to do this study and create this strategy, we got to get something out. And, right. and I'm sure the people who worked on it were earnest. I, you and I both have a very high regard for our colleagues in the government, both in law enforcement and in the regulatory side. But these kinds of opportunities don't come along as often as we need them to. And to not make the most of it is, I think, uh, a big, as you say, swing and miss. So you should look at not just the um, quick fact sheet on the recommendations, but how they spell them out. And there are some things there, which I think, as you just mentioned, are valuable. And I'll just go back to their conclusion. They do recognize that the findings support the view that de-risking is a challenge of both private and public sector. No single action by the government it will be a panacea. Totally agree. They think coordinated action by the federal government could make significant progress. I agree with that, but that means understanding the scope here. Uh, but collaboration makes sense. I, I say the regulators have made some inroads in public statements, but that has to translate to the field, like our peer has said. And then they end with continued open engagement and dialogue to improve financial inclusion are essential to mitigate the causes of de-risking. I agree with that. And Hopefully, there'll be updates to this document going forward. Yes. So before we ring off and before you jump on a plane to San Francisco, what is this month's webinar? 
This month, we are doing a program on uh, May 25th, one o'clock Eastern. And this is on the concept we're referencing today, private-public partnership. So AML Voices will have Don Fort, as we know, former IRS CI chief, director of investigations, Castellanos and Fink. We will also have Tom Fatarusso, who's the SAC in New York, IRS CI, Mary Lou Jimenez from our board and the head of uh, her firm, Financial Advisors. And it's all going to be about how the partnership can enhance detection, prevention, reporting of financial crime. Mary Lou's got broad experience there with local regulators in Puerto Rico, but also more broadly in the remaining parts of the U.S. And uh, according to Don, we haven't had a chance to talk to Tom yet, but Tom's going to talk about some specific examples of partnership and how they've worked with IRS and the financial sector. So we're going to give you some both broad uh, understanding of this, but some real good practical advice that you can take back to your institutions and the partnering that hopefully everybody is trying to enhance. And you can register for the webinar again uh, on our website, amlrightsource.com. And we already have a good early registration. So we're looking forward to having a large audience and to sharing those practical ideas in this important area. John, you have a safe trip and enjoy the West Coast Forum. And we'll get, be back with our audience next week. Take care, Elliot. Stay safe. You, you too. Bye-bye. <laughs>